when you start scaling globally, you have to think way differently than like a local pattern. So my new direction was like, oh my gosh, I love digging really deep into this. And I used to like mentor people and help coach them to, to become subject matter experts and solve the biggest problems. And I was like, I love mentoring. I love coaching. I love teaching. You know, you can fall into tutorial hell where you just, you know, watching one tutorial <laughs> after the other, after the other, but until you actually build something of your own where there is no straightforward tutorial, where you have to find all the things you need, that's, that's where a lot of the learning happens. We have a very special guest today. He has a lot of experience in the cloud and technology space and is very active in the AWS community. He has created a ton of content that's been seen by a lot of people, I'd say thousands of people. And I'm really excited to have this conversation today because I believe my audience is going to gain so much value from it. Welcome to the show, Aaron Hunter. Hey everyone, thank you so much. And Fayami, thank you so much for having me here. I do appreciate it. My name is Aaron Hunter. I am a principal developer advocate and I happen to work at AWS. So I specialize in AWS. I've been with the company for about nine years, currently employed, but uh, I, I love working with the community and community members. Yes, no, I think, um, you know, people probably already know your face. And I really want to dive into your experience as a, a principal a DevOps and AWS advocate. But I want to go back. I always like to go back to the very beginning. You know, how did you get involved in technology in the cloud? Just walk us through your history, your journey um, to how you ended up at AWS. Oh, okay. So how far back do you want to go? Like when I was six years old, my very first time touching a computer. <laughs> yeah, as far back as that. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, I've always been naturally interested in technology. Like I mentioned, even going back as far as six years old. I broke my first computer when I was that age. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I highly recommend no one does that. <laughs> but fast forward into my later career when I was an adult, I actually got reinterested in technology again from a professional standpoint. And I did that from uh, for the military, for the U.S. Marine Corps. I did that for a couple of years. And then I took a step back and did photography, supporting my own business from a tech standpoint. And getting all the way into AWS type level technology was in 2015. Kind of dancing around, trying to figure out my own space. I went tech, non-tech, back into tech. So for anyone who's looking to get into tech, this is kind of where I started. So in 2015, I didn't know about the cloud. I'm going to admit that. I work in the cloud now. I didn't know about it back then. So I, I was contacted by a recruiter and they saw my resume and they wanted to give me an opportunity. And I went through the interview process and I was given the opportunity to join AWS in March of 2015, which I, and I had to think about that. Uh, and then eventually fully converted to a full-time employee in May, 2015. So it was pretty cool. Are you interested in getting your first cloud job? If you answered yes, then I have a free guide just for you. This free guide walks you through a proven step-by-step -step process to help you get that first cloud job. It walks you through the three simple steps you can take today to make yourself highly employable. The link is in the description below, so make sure you download it now if you're interested. All right, let's get back to the show. That's really interesting to hear. And, and I want, I want us to dig into that a little bit, because, you know, you mentioned you were doing stuff in technology, maybe 
let the people know what skills you had at the time, what technologies were you working with? Yeah, just give people an idea of where you were technically at that time. Yeah, I can I can go into all the details and ramble for the next hour if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> but for anyone who's watching watching the recording, um, if you want to know where I got started, essentially, I got started with networking and systems administration. That was my background before I joined AWS. So from 2012 to 2015, I started as a help desk person. I started as someone who uh, actually, even before that, I was in the call center. I was in a call center. I was a a support specialist for a security company. um, And I eventually became a supervisor for that company. And I helped to lead a team of 80 people. It was pretty fascinating to see that side of the business and really understand how my actions as a, as a support specialist affect the business because sometimes that's not explained. So everyone in every role is needed. And I really see that now, but that company decided to relocate and I wasn't able to relocate with them to different locations. So I looked for a different opportunity. And that is when in 2013, I joined a nonprofit based out of California uh, in the U.S., and they focused on foster children and helping them with their conversion process and transition process of going into the foster system and then out of the foster system and finding placement in a home and, and families. And that was so rewarding. But the tech side of that business is still needed. So I joined as a help desk person in 2013. And I eventually became a systems administrator and then a systems and network administrator taking on more responsibilities diving really deep into the technology, breaking lab environments, not production. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is one time when I took the network down in an accident. We won't talk about that one. But <laughs> We all have stories like that, definitely. <laughs> we, all, we all have stories like that. But essentially, I became a senior network and systems administrator for that company. And that's kind of what built my resume. But it all started with just being a call desk or a, a, a help desk person from the call center. So, And I yeah. think that's um, really important to note because, you know, there's a lot of people now who are working in help desk or, or in a sort of IT background, and they might not know that their skills are transferable to the cloud. You know, they might see it as this whole other thing. But the reality is a lot of those same skills are still applicable. And in fact, they're relevant. You know, some of the terminology might be different. You know, AWS might manage some of these services, but those underlying skills are still very important. Absolutely. And I think it even goes further than that, too, if I were to to, uh, add my own two cents. Because when I'm talking to people who are asking me now, because I've been with the company for, I've been in the cloud and with AWS for going on nine years. I'm in my ninth year. So when people ask me, how do I break into the cloud? How do I get into tech? And they have no tech background. That's sometimes the most challenging type of conversations to have. But I like to find the the issues, the problems that they're facing in their current role. So maybe they're in a financial world. Maybe they're in a healthcare world. Maybe they're in a biosciences world. Maybe they're in something that's not tech, but they're the experts in that industry And they can see the problems, the frustrations, the challenges, and then they can try to solve those with tech. And that's the advice I give. I say, learn the basics, but then think about how you can apply the basics towards solving those problems that you're seeing in a non-tech space to help create examples and solutions. And that's your resume that you can talk to. 
That is such good feedback because I get the same as well. They're like, oh yeah, what labs do I do? And I have some suggestions of sort of general labs, like high quality projects that I've done in my career. But I always say that after you understand the fundamentals, after you do the basics, like look around, what what things would you like to see in this world and and create a solution to that? And, and like you say, that's that that's your lab. So I think I think that's such good advice and and I hope people listening really take a note of it because you know, you can fall into tutorial hell where you're just, you know, watching one tutorial <laughs> after the other, after the other, but until you actually build something of your own where there is no straightforward tutorial, where you have to find all the things you need, that's that's where a lot of the learning happens. So um, th- thanks for sharing that. You mentioned you've been at AWS for nine years. I'm very interested to know how your role has changed in that time, because I'm sure it has. Like, maybe talk us through what you were doing early on and how it sort of transitioned over time to what you're doing now. Yeah, so like I mentioned, uh, back in 2015, I didn't know about the cloud. I I knew about technology. I was a senior network and systems administrator, so I had that foundation uh, and that knowledge coming in. That helped me uh, a lot, because during the interview process, they're all highly technical interviews, and... I had several technical rounds of interviews and I had to get through them to be successful and get the offer. So my background with AWS really started as a cloud support engineer. I came in as uh, someone who didn't know about the cloud. They took the risk. They taught me about AWS and they really got me up to being able to help properly support customers. So that was really cool to like see how many customers and who those customers were. Like every single time I jumped on an, like an enterprise level support case and helping like some of our largest customers, I was like, wow, they're using AWS. That's amazing. So I can't talk about them, unfortunately, but I can share that that was my journey. That was my initial entry point into AWS. From there, I started exploring other options and working with other teams. It's really started with me working with those teams. So helping support our technical account managers, the technical side of the account management business, helping our solutions architects and helping them find solutions for the customer problems and the biggest customer problems, whether that be the sports industry or the financial industry or uh, the the politics and political side or government side of the business or somewhere, maybe even not enterprise level and startup focus because they're, they're trying to solve some problems too. That is kind of where I found new direction, I'll say. So my new direction was like, oh my gosh, I love digging really deep into this. And I used to like mentor people and help coach them to, to become subject matter experts and solve the biggest problems. And I was like, I love mentoring. I love coaching. I love teaching, but I love the tech. And there was a happy place for me in 2020. 2020 was challenging for a lot, but I found an opportunity to transition to become a technical trainer. So I went from a senior cloud support engineer over to a technical trainer role where that was my full-time job, coaching and teaching and mentoring and and taking all of my technical background and telling people, here's the here are the, the problems that we've seen, that I've seen personally, and here's how I addressed it and how I approached it. So that's that was 2020. Spent a couple of years in that role. Uh, and then I ended up eventually jumping over to the principal developer advocate role, which I, I, I don't want to keep rambling. <laughs> it's what I find quite interesting is the evolution of roles within AWS. So for example, a lot of people, when they come up to me, they're like, I want to be a solutions architect. 
And my initial reaction is always like, that's, you're missing a couple of steps here, you know, because, you know, to be a solutions architect, you need to understand not only AWS, but systems design. You have to have good communication skills because if you're managing, if you're creating a solution for a company, you know, that's basically their entire business a lot of the time. So the stakes are quite high. And so I like the fact that you, you, you know, you're, you're at a really senior level now, but you started where kind of we all start, which is kind of like support, maybe cloud engineer, and, and you sort of work, work your way up and now you're, you're the principal developer advocate. So what does a developer advocate do and what does a principal developer advocate do? I'm going to take a step back away from that question just slightly and let people know about there's developer advocates and there's solutions architects. Like 10, 15 years ago, maybe as far back as 20 years ago, there were no solutions architects. So people said, hey, you're architecting solutions for our business and here's what an SA does. Like it was widely scoped. So you would ask one essay what they do, a different essay what they do, and you would get two different answers or multiple different answers. The same thing kind of applies for developer advocates. In, in essence, there's a nutshell of advocating for developers, advocating for builders, but there's also specialties now. So like just like with a solutions architect, and I'm, I'm going back to that because that's like the, probably the most popular type of role. Uh, now you have cl- cloud architects. There's on-prem architects like physical infrastructure, and there's cloud architects focusing on cloud architecture and scalability and resiliency and redundancy and maybe interconnectivity into the hybrid or on-prem environments. Developer advocates are very similar where they have specialties. They might focus on training certification and helping people to learn and grow. Uh, They might focus on that plus builders. They might focus on a language or a programming language specifically. Uh, It could be focusing on .NET, could be focusing on Boto3 or Python, could be focusing on XYZ, like fill in the blank. So what do they do? Could be in that vertical or in that niche. How do they do it? That's a whole different topic. If you ask one DA how they accomplish their goals, it could be through Twitch or YouTube videos or some kind of live streaming. It could be through conference talks. It could be through blog writing or a combination of all of it. So, I mean, that, that raises a good question. How does one become a developer advocate? Because again, I don't think that's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's no one right answer. Um, but if you were to just advise someone, like maybe they already have a job in the cloud or maybe they're just starting out, what would you say some things they can do to improve their chances of becoming a, a developer advocate? If they want to become a developer advocate, I would say start advocating. This is going to sound counterintuitive, might sound straightforward to some, but start advocating for something and having a voice. It doesn't have to be developers initially, but find what your voice is. Find what your style is. Uh, Find what your passion is, because when you're passionate about something, that's when it's going to come across that you're happy, hopefully. (laughs) Um, So be happy and passionate about something. Find that balance and then try to give back. Developer advocates are more projecting what they know, what they have, and they give a lot of time. They're constantly nurturing the community and involved in the community. And honestly, that's a a two-way street. The majority of the time, when I'm giving back to the community, the community, it's not that they give back to me, but they're sharing their success with me. And I love seeing their success. And that's what keeps me going 
that's what fills my bucket. So find what fills your bucket, advocate for that. And then hopefully there's going to be some natural evolution. You can build your resume with like, here's what I've done for the community. And here's the impact that I've had and the anecdotes that I'm receiving. I think that's such a, a good shout because, you know, a big part of developing, becoming an advocate is to be online in a way, either through writing or through videos. And I find this even applies to people who are searching for jobs. And I always tell tell them like, post about your progress online. What have you learned? Because the first thing a recruiter is going to do is look at your LinkedIn, you know, and as someone who's sort of recruited for roles and been recruited, if I have two candidates and I look at their LinkedIn and one of them's posting regularly about what they're learning, what they enjoy about the cloud and the other one isn't, I'm just naturally going to be biased towards the person that's posting because I feel like I know them more or they're more of like, I can see their passion more. Um, and that's assuming the two candidates sort of interview similarly. So I think there's also sort of benefits to to sharing thoughts about what you're learning online, even if, say, being an advocate isn't what you want to do. But, you know, you never know who's who's watching and who's paying attention. And that, that's something I've, I've realized in the cloud as well. This is a question I, I, I like to ask people, you know, who've, who've been in the cloud for a while. And because I feel like there is like almost a, there's such a big positive about, you know, working in the cloud and being in the cloud. And naturally, you know, we always gravitate towards that. Uh, so the question I have is, what is one positive thing and one negative thing about working in the cloud? Like you, you can pick whichever role, you know, you, you want to, to talk about. So the positive thing, the cloud allows you to scale. It allows you to grow. It allows you to build. It allows you to pretty much have endless opportunities to be successful. I wouldn't say it's a negative side of the cloud, but one of the challenging components of the cloud is I think challenging for any industry and that's the global scale. When you start scaling globally, you have to think way differently than like a local pattern. If you have a local pattern, it's like it works on my laptop, but does it work somewhere else? It works somewhere else, but does it work regionally? Oh, it works regionally now, but does it work globally? It works globally, but how do you make sure that you're actually maintaining synchronization across your different systems? And when you start going global, especially with like the ability that the cloud offers you, the global uh, side of the business, the side of any business is uh, compliance and legal. So there's a lot of laws and um, data residency that you have to take into account too. So are you satisfying those requirements? So that's that's the challenge side of the cloud in any business. But the positive is the ability to quickly grow your business, quickly grow your infrastructure, scale as you need, and do it in just a few minutes at, at times. If you build it out the right way, you can have immediate failover and immediate redundancy. So you have next to zero downtime. Yeah. And I think that's a great, great response because I think even a career in the cloud, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you know, you can learn, you can grow and, you know, the, the growth potential for the individuals is basically unlimited. But also the flip side is that yeah, there's always something to learn. And sometimes, you know, especially as you get bigger and more advanced in your career, the challenges also get bigger and more complicated. So it's almost like day one all the time, which is both exciting and scary at the same time. Uh, yeah, so no, thanks for that. You mentor a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of people come to you for help, for advice. What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone looking to get their first role in the cloud? It depends on the role. It depends on their vision. And I think my advice will change. So if you're looking to become 
it, let's say, and it also depends on their background and where they're at in their journey. Are they a student trying to break into tech and into the cloud? If so, then maybe there's an internship program for them through the university or through uni. Uh, if they are not a student and they're already working in the industry in technology, but not in the cloud, like myself, when I first started, it's, do you have the technical background and do you find maybe an entry level cloud role? It's okay to look for an associate cloud role. If you have one, one to three years of experience, that's totally fine. I don't know if it's like the PC way to say it, but like late bloomers, but like those who are maybe, uh, older, there is zero age discrimination. It's you're non-tech to tech, but those who are maybe older, like I'm older myself, but I'm already in tech, but I know people, my friends who are like, Hey, how do I break into tech? I'm in my forties or fifties. And I'm like, well, you don't know tech, but you can start, you can get started. You've been in the other industry. Like I mentioned earlier in the call, you've been in the other industry and you know, those problems, like let's figure out ways to solve those problems using technology. And that's your resume. And you might still be able to get an associate level role. And sometimes you have to start uh, at an entry level position and then work your way up. And sometimes you can say, hey, I actually have background. Even though I wasn't in tech, I've been in conversations with my technical advisors. I understand what they've gone through. I've actually advised them sometimes. And if you can tell that story and weave it in a way where you truly can demonstrate and prove that you have the skills, then you can go above the associate or entry level, possibly. So my advice is going to change based on where they're at in their career. Are they in uni? Are they a couple years into tech or are they non-tech to tech transitioning? Uh, and it also will vent, will differ based on the role that they're aiming toward. Do they want a cloud support engineer? Do they want to jump into marketing? Do they want to jump into sales? Do they want to jump into uh, solutions architect or developer advocate? Because each one of those roles requires different things. Yeah, I think that's great advice because every, you know, different people come from different backgrounds. So yeah, you're totally right. You know, I know people who who are, like you say, university students and they can get in on a postgraduate scheme or like an associate scheme or something. And other people, it's 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 a lot more hustle that they need. And my general advice is just just get any cloud role you can. Because I I believe the hardest part is always getting that first job. But once you're in, you know, it's still difficult, but it becomes a bit easier because you, you're building up experience, you're building up skills and things like that. So no, I, I, I think that's, that's great advice. I was going to say, like, one thing you called out is building your experience. I think that's key for like anyone across their entire cloud journey or across their entire tech or career journey is build experience. And if you can build experience on something that excites you, you can talk about it with passion. That's really great advice. Um, one of the things I know you're 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 heavily involved in as a principal developer advocate at AWS is the Twitch channel. So I'd like like you to talk about you know some of the programs people should look out for, or you know if they're anywhere else maybe you want people to check out. Yeah, let, let them know. Yeah, so I do a lot of live streaming for our learners on the on twitch.tv forward slash AWS. Uh, if any of the learners who or any of the viewers and listeners for your podcast and vodcast want to check it out, they can go to awspowerhour.com. It's going to have a full breakdown of all the training and certification related courses and, and sessions that we've had. If it says AWS Power Hour on the show title, the series type, that's more exam preparation focused. So if you're studying for a certification, uh, whether it be cloud practitioner, solutions architect, 
any of the associates or any of the pros now because we've covered all of them and any of the specialties because we've covered all of those too. They're there for you. So you can use those to watch recap videos. We also have, uh, we do like live Q and a sessions, like where we actually break down exam style questions and kind of go through like why we think the answer is right and why we think the answer is not correct. And the, the exam question in itself. And we say like, here's what we're focusing on in the question. Uh, the, the main points that we think people could focus on to help them dissect the question correctly. Outside of AWS Power Hour, we have a couple other different types of shows like AWS Jam Journeys, where it's uh, skill-based learning. And you try to solve the problems that are challenges or solve the challenges that are faced in front of you and say, like, I know the answer to this and I can I can provide a solution. So that's really saying it's really satisfying to ourselves to say, like, I solved it with minimal assistance or zero assistance. Another show type is AWS Cloud Quest, which is a game-based universe style learning where it's like you get in, you play the game, you can zap some drones, you can like pets, you can answer questions. Once you pass all the different roles and, and solve the different solutions, then you get a badge that you can put on your social media. Then all of that can help you toward your certification journey. Yeah, definitely. I've checked out some of the Twitch content as well, and it's really high quality. I checked out one on um, data analytics and machine learning, and I learned loads. So yeah, definitely Probably encourage let's everyone ship it. to... Yeah, the Let's Ship It episode, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely encourage people to, to to check out some of those links and and see what you can learn, you know. All knowledge is good knowledge. And um, exactly. Aaron, if you don't mind as well, I'll, I'll probably pop your LinkedIn as well in the show notes. So if people want to check out what you're doing and, you know, if they're, if they're interested, I, I think they'll find that very valuable too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Thanks for coming on and sharing all this knowledge with us. I think my, my audience will, will enjoy it. And yeah, hopefully we can, we can do this again soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Awesome.